Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to a podcast that doesn't have any proper introduction today. I'm too broken in the best, best, best possible way. You know why we're here and you know what we're going to talk about. We're going to enjoy every bloody second of doing so as well. On Saturday at the Ataturk Stadium in Istanbul, City won the Champions League. In doing so, winning the treble. And where do you start with that? How do you make sense of that? You start by introducing your guests, who I'm delighted to say are Asan and Ben. Asan, you're there. You, you feeling okay? You're feeling alive? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm I'm feeling. I'm feeling fine. I'm feeling tired. A, a little <laughs> bit broken, but absolutely fine. It's uh, I, 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 it's not sunk in. I don't really, I don't really know what it means right now. Uh, I think the only um, comparison that I've got is ninety three twenty. Genuinely, I think uh, somebody just put in our WhatsApp group like, "Can I ask this question of the three of you? How did this compare to to our Premier League wins?" And I think Saturday night for me was very much like 93-20 in that it took about a week for it to sink in. Mm. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm a bit, I'm still a little bit at a loss emotionally as to what it is. I just feel as though if I think about it too much, everything gets a bit teary and blurry. I was going to ask that and I'll, ask, I'll come to you as well, Ben. Did, did you cry? Yeah, I, I mean to be to be honest, um, <laughs> I cry. I started crying when Rodri scored. I think I'd I'd convinced myself that City could play that game for another three days and they weren't going to score a goal. So when he scored, I, and honestly, it was like uh, I, I sank to my knees and I basically I, I put my face in my in, in my wife's back and I was just like I was just didn't want anybody to see me, but I was just hmm. yeah I mean I was just sobbing man I just the re, the the release of the goal can only be matched by the full time whistle release. I um, watched it with my brother and um, I didn't want to cry in front of my brother, so it was really I, don't, I watched it with my wife as well and obviously she see me cry loads. Um, and I, I just didn't want to cry from brother, so I, it was a real effort not to cry. I had to really, really dig deep not to cry. The next morning, I watched the highlights back, and I was hungover, and I sobbed. I absolutely sobbed. Uh, ben, when when did the tears come for you? So I think um, maybe similar to Aysan, I think after we scored the first, I could feel you know the first song or two that we sung in the stadium afterwards. I could feel my voice, yeah. you know weakening i guess you know as <laughs> yeah. it does if, if you were uh, you know if you if you've got a lump in your throat um and then yeah huge not not, not huge outpour you know but the, at the end of the game once it had happened and you know the, the disbelief um you know it it happened there and you know looking around all my mates and people that was with and you know ra- hugging random strangers there was lots of that sort of thing you know your your eyes are filling up and i look back now at a couple of photos that i took you know my my eyes are glossy, certainly, <laughs> um, at, at those. But yeah, I, mean, I agree with, with Aysan is that I think as I've watched some of the reaction, you know, whether it's on, on social media or, or had conversations, you know, it's it's made me sort of fill up and, and choke up again. And I think that'll continue to, to build up as it sinks in and you, you hear more reaction. It starts to, to hit home how big of an achievement it, it is. Yeah, I mean, one thing I did include in the agenda, but we have to get to later on in the pod, is our favourite kind of, you know, clips that we've seen from fans and from the players, because there's some great stuff out there. Um, but let's go right back to the beginning then, um, and our our build-up to the game. Um, 
kind of collectively as City fans, I'm sure the nerves were just amongst us all. Um, I know it certainly was with me. It just built up and built up to the point where around seven o'clock, I was just a bag of nerves. Um, mm. I'll start with you, Asan, and I, I want you all taking it, Ben, because you, you were out there, and so obviously your build-up was more prolonged in, in terms of the travel. But, Asan, what was your personal build-up to the game? It was. Pr- I, I had a, I had a pretty nervy but relaxed Saturday, if that makes sense. That I was, I was impatient to get to the game, and that was making me nervous. But I was also really relaxed in that I felt that that they were ready for it. Um, I tried to keep myself busy for most of the day, mm. um, but I was out quite early. Like the game kicked off at nine here, and I was out the house at half five. Um, and we went down to the um, to the bar where we were watching the game and just stayed there. And there were some City fans there already, some Inter Milan fans there already. So as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, great. It's a vibe. Do you know what I mean? It was like, this is a... I was a little bit worried that it was going to be like me and three other people watching the game. I, I wanted to be around as many people as I could be around that were really genuinely into it. Um, and that's sort of how it turned out. So it was... I mean, look, mate, it was like 30 degrees. I was sat by a pool, <laughs> drinking a cold beer, right? Chatting to Inter fans and City fans. That's that's the way to get ready for a game like that. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go along with that. It's, um, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it was, I intended to start drinking a couple of hours before the game, which I did. Um, I'm a lightweight. I was so pissed during the game. Um <laughs> Which is kind of to my detriment because I can't focus properly on the game, you know. And, and so, um, yeah, I should have kind of held back a bit and drank more after the game. Um, yeah, but it was just to cope with the nerves. I mean, they were really kicking in, as I said, as, as kick-off kick off approached. Um, and the significance of the, of the occasion and what it meant and the avoidance of defeat, which is such an obvious, banal thing to say, but that's what it came down to for me. The avoidance of missing out on what was would be you know such a, a remarkable mm. um then you when did you travel out there so we traveled out there on thursday morning so we were i think lloyd mentioned it uh on pod early in the week so we were actually just coincidentally we were on the flight uh that lloyd was on out right. of stansted so we actually myself and my son drove down to stansted on wednesday evening um stayed in a hotel there watched the west ham match wet, wetted the appetite with that um, and, they, and then flew out. So I think we got into uh, the Istanbul airport, I think it was about 5.30 uh, on Thursday evening their time. Right. And so when you were there, obviously there's, I'm assuming there's a lot of blues already there and obviously more more came in the yeah. coming days. Um, so the atmosphere at this point was just upbeat, I'm guessing? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it was, it, it was awesome. Every, every video that you've, that you'll have seen on social media, you know, is it was exactly like that. There was, you know, bars and streets filled with city fans. Mm. As as we got closer to kickoff, I'd say, you know, particularly on the morning of the match, more, um, you know, you saw more Inter fans come out and stuff. And, and you know, I must say, everything was was good nature. I didn't see one one bit of trouble. There was lots yeah. of, you know. I remember walking past a, grump, uh, a bunch of, of Inter fans and we're all fist bumping each other and stuff like that and everything was great. But, you know, there was, it seemed to be hugely more um, City fans, you know, times 10 sort of thing than, than any Inter fans you'd see. So, yeah, the atmosphere was was building, um, you know, when 
the, the quiet moments in between songs and stuff, you might start talking about the match. But to be honest, it was just all about, you know, the, the beer was flowing, the songs were sing, <laughs> yes. being sung. Uh, it was There wasn't much deep thought going on, put it that way. Can it, so it was you and your son who went out there? Yes, that's right. So uh, myself and my son went out there. Um, there was people that, that we know from, from Chester and the Chester Supports branch that were out there as well. So we had a few right. friends uh, and then a few other blues that we know which we knew were going out there which we we met up uh various times over the few days i mean i know your son you know is a match going fan and he's he's had yeah. some incredible experiences in recent years <laughs> what an experience yeah. it's supposed to oh, be yeah. for him wow yeah i mean i uh obviously i am constantly telling him he doesn't know how lucky he is to be, <laughs> to be seeing this but to uh to, to help with that every man and his dog was kept coming up to him you know particularly once they were you know a, a few beers deep coming up to him grabbing him by the neck saying you don't know how lucky you are to be here and stuff <laughs> uh, but he you know as you can imagine he's, he's 13 he's absolutely loving it he wasn't obviously wasn't wasn't drinking but apart from that he is he's well in the thick of it singing all the songs loves it and uh, yeah he was t- telling me on on Friday as we were in some um, outside some some street with all the city fans and, you know, people are letting off flares and stuff, you know, he's, he was messaging his mates who were making meatballs in cookery class or something like that. So <laughs> living his best life. <laughs> Absolutely living his best life. I went to my first away game when I was 13 and it was Swindon town. I think this is a bit <laughs> of a different level, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's get to kind of the more pragmatic side of, of matters yep. and the team lineup. Um, I'll come to you first, Asan. Was Were you... Surprised at the omission of Walker? Were you expecting him to start? Um, no, I'm not. I wasn't surprised. I'd said I'd said in the build-up that because Dumfries and, and Ake are international teammates, um, and Dumfries would have played on Ake's side if Ake played, I could see Ake being picked. And if that was the case, there was no way that Akanji was going to get dropped for Walker. Akanji mm. played like he's like Pep's, obviously one of Pep's favourites. So, so no, it wasn't really a surprise for me. What about yourself, Ben? Were there any surprises? How did you kind of generally feel on seeing the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think with that, whatever we want to call it, if it's strong 14, 15 players, I, I don't think anything would have, you know, deterred from from having the confidence that we ha- we'd ha- we would have enough on, on the night. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't think... I, th- I think as well when it gets to this final in a way you're thinking about the players, I guess, from an emotional side in terms of missing out really. And and I'm glad from that point of view that particularly Walker and Foden, to be honest, still played a significant part in the night. Um, you know, they, they, they still had an, had an impact on the game. So yeah. And when the lineup came out, um, I think, I think it was right. And, and I think on reflection after the performances, I think it was right to play Bernardo, Bernardo Silva. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it's, it, there's not a lot between any of those players, whether you know whether it's Mares yeah. comes in or or you know or Ake comes in or something like that. It, it feels it's such a strong sort of first fourteen or fifteen players. There's, there's not going to be that you know that head wobble that, that we all had when um, when we played the the last Champions League final. I feel. Um, I want to get to the kind of a tactical battle that took place, and and it's a, you know a kind of a chess like tactical battle that we all anticipated because it's Inter Milan. You know we knew how they'd set up and so the interesting thing was to see how Pep was going to counter that and, and deal with that um, and we talked kind of at length on podcasts leading up to the game about how 
I remember you saying, Asan, about how quite reminiscent of Antonio Conte's Spurs, or, or more more accurately, a, a, a better functioning uh, Antonio Conte's Spurs um, that Inter would be and who mm. would face. Um, but before we get to that tactical battle, just a very quick thought from both of you on how you were actually feeling 20 minutes in. So 20 minutes in, um, had, had we had Harlan chance 20 minutes in, or was that just after it may have been... Just the after. offside one, the one where he was just offside, or the the one that he wasn't oh, offside. The one where he wasn't offside, and uh, he just didn't really connect with it properly. But mm. regardless, kind of twenty minutes in, it. I'm, I, I don't want to say nothing had happened. A lot had happened, but there'd been no big events. It looked like it was going to be a grind. How were you feeling, Asan, at that juncture? Were you thinking, "Shit, this is going to be a long night"? Yeah, it was a terrible game. Like, let's not let's not mince words here. Um, twenty minutes into that game my overriding feeling was wow they don't look anything like the team that they've looked in the last couple of months um they looked nervous they were sloppy they gave passes away i think that in terms of um the if you want to talk about a tactical battle it was way too easy for in milan to some of their defenders bastoni in particular to just ping a ball over the press um it just yeah it it just felt a little bit like um something was off and it was actually i mean i'm sure eventually it will come out but i imagine that tactically um they'd done something that guardiola wasn't expecting and then city had to adjust at halftime because we were better in the second half but i think first half it was just a grind man and my big thing sort of 20 25 minutes in was let's not concede a goal. Whatever happens here, let's just not concede a goal. Nil-nil at halftime is absolutely fine. And we've seen that quite a few times in recent weeks and, of course, over the course of the season. I I felt that way, I would say, at least seven or eight times this season of let's just get to half-time and change it. Um, And in each time, we've been better in the second half. So there was, that was my thought, really, a case of, you know, let's just, okay, if it's nil-nil half time, I'm happy with that because we tend to improve in second halves if at, if we've had quite a poor first half. Um, ben, how are you feeling 20 minutes in? Yeah, I think, I think we all anticipated it was going to be tight and particularly if anybody watched the, the, the other finals, you know, with, with Roma and, and Fiorentina, they could see, we could see that, you know, it was going to be scrappy. They'd want to slow the game down and, and you know, with every goal kick in, in the first time, they, they were clearly slowing it down, you know, as as we often see at the Etihad, just to, just to break off momentum. Um, I, I was interested to see that, how they played with with their wing-backs. Wing-backs was obviously, they, they got very wide, but and I guess we don't really see this in the Premier League a lot, but their wing-backs were literally playing as forwards a lot of the time. So when the ball actually wasn't on their wing, they would literally be joining the, the strikers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I found that was interesting. I think we we looked nervous, to be honest. And, you know, obviously this is our, our second Champions League final, but it felt like it could have been the first. Um, and, and that was also, to be honest, it felt like that in the crowd as well. I think... You know, as you could, as I said, we were very like buoyant singing songs in the days leading up to it. Even on literally right up to to kick off, um, all the all the songs were going. It was a great atmosphere, and the, and then the whistle went, and it was effectively stony silence. It wasn't 
a great atmosphere. Every now and again, somebody would try and start up a song and it'd sort of die, you know, and you could you look around and everyone's biting their fingernails literally within that first 20 minutes. So, mm. and it felt like we, we played like that. Our passing wasn't as sharp as it is, you know, Rodri, you know, gave away a few, like, you know, lax passes, Edison, a couple of Edison's kicks weren't great. It just felt like we weren't quite on it. And I guess the worry was that it was a bit like, oh no, is this going to be another one with the, the occasion, you know, we're playing the occasion a little bit. Um, so it, it felt tense. Um, I, I didn't feel that they, you know, were we, we were under the cosh or anything, but equally I didn't, I felt that we were sort of way off our best. Yeah, I, I think that the narrative leading up to the game uh, and the occasion and what it meant, and you know, it just would have been better for us if we were slight underdogs. Um, yeah. it, that that kind of you know what was a, a negative for us, I think, fact that we were all realizing what was at stake and that it was attainable. And of course, you put those two things together, and then you stew on that for a good couple of weeks leading up to the game. And I'm not even talking about the players here; I'm talking about us as fans. Then of course, it's going to be a case of you're just watching, chewing on your fingernails, aren't you? You're not kind of. Um, it, it was. It felt almost inevitable that we were in for a nervy time of it. Um, mm. So, in terms of a tactical kind of battle, Asan, I'm the only. I'm not really clued up on this kind of thing. I've seen some really good threads on Twitter from City fans who are far more intuitive when it comes to kind of the understanding of tactical kind of um, battles. One thing I did see was Johnny Stones was far more offensively placed than usual. He was getting forward a lot. Um, and we seem to be playing on a diamond in midfield, um, which very much, you know, explains Johnny Stones' uh, kind of positioning. Um, was that, obviously, that, that was to counteract kind of Inter and more more bodies in midfield. It, would you attribute it to nerves that it wasn't really working as well as, as hoped? I mean... It's hard to know whether it's nerves or whether it's just a little bit of rustiness. I, I felt that they were poor in the FA Cup final a week ago. And that, for me, was a big warning sign. And the only thing that I had in my head was, all right, maybe they're a little bit saving themselves for the Champions League final. But that wasn't the case. Mm. There was there, the same, for me, the same lack of attacking rhythm that we had in the FA Cup final. We had it um, on Saturday night again against Inter. Uh, but look, I think, uh, like, I, honestly, like, I ain't got a clue about the shape or the tactics or any of that shit because uh, the um, the kind of the emotional barometer for the entire ninety minutes was just dialed up to ten. So yeah. it was just like watching phases of play and going, "Don't do anything stupid." I can't. I can't. I have no idea how many times that exact sentence came out of my mouth over the ninety minutes. <laughs> don't do anything stupid followed by why did you do that? Do you know what I mean? It was just like, <laughs> it was just like, it was a constant stream of, of, of don't do anything stupid. And then, Oh my God, why did you do that? Look, I think th the reality is that these cup final uh, occasions are rarely open, breathtaking games. They're, mm. they're often bitty and nervy and shitty. And I think that whether we, no matter much no matter how much we want to say that you you've got a respect in Milan that they're amazing and all the rest of it that i'm sure that there was a part of the players that went into that game going we can do this and i think that maybe the underdog status that they felt going into Bayern Munich and Real Madrid games probably helped focus their minds better um 
so i don't know like there's there's loads of stuff involved but in the end when it comes to games like that you just have to win bro it doesn't matter how you do it it doesn't matter you know nobody remembers the performance nobody remembers who did what or nobody cares about the tactics in the end it just becomes a a kind of thing about can you get yourself over the line and win this thing and i just like to remind everybody that we got it over the line and we won the thing and we now have the treble our treble <laughs> treble absolutely well i mean that feeds directly into what was said after the game where jack Grealish just said i was awful today and and jolian lescott said no one is going to remember that that doesn't matter at all um and he's absolutely right and, and lescott himself obviously is talking from experience there because you yeah. know you refer back to the qpr game um yeah. yes we do remember it but it's almost part of the, the joy really now isn't it the fact that um he attributed in that way um to us going through hell before we got to heaven um Speaking of hell, there's another injury hell for Kevin De Bruyne. Um, and this has, you know, severely impacted our kind of hopes that really dented it at that point anyway. I, I I was just thinking this is, you know, history repeating. Um, obviously the same thing happened against Chelsea uh, two years ago. Um Ben, how did you feel? How did how were those around you kind of uh, responding to Kev going off, which kind of happened in increments, didn't it? He stayed on for a yeah. good five minutes um, and so it's clear that he had to go. Um, and then I'll come to you, Asan, on, on your thoughts on coming on. But how, how are people in the stadium responding to Kev's injury? Well, I think we, we were talking before the match and we were saying how um, how basically how good it is that we've got those options. And basically, when I remember thinking when we played Chelsea and he, De Bruyne you know, went off, I remember thinking, oh, oh God, you know, that's, that's it, that's our chance gone sort of thing. Um, I, I didn't feel that when it happened and you know when we were talking before the match you know we're saying right we've got we've got Foden we've got Mares, we've got Alvarez uh you know we've got Walker we've got Laporte we've got all of these players that, that could quite easily be starting in this game and we wouldn't have any issue with it so I think when he went off obviously there's the the personal element you know huge disappointment for him yeah um you know that side of things but you know for Foden to be coming on and replace him you know and Foden you know showing very recently how good he is in that 10 and how sharp he is and how how good he's looked the last few weeks. That wasn't a huge, huge drop-off. Um, it was obviously really interesting that's come out since about basically Kev saying uh, he's been struggling for weeks, really. And I, I agree with Asa and I thought, you know, ironically, in typical uh, De Bruyne, you know, he got two or one and a half assists or whatever in the cup final. But he was, I, thought, I felt he was largely poor on that game, to be honest. Um, and I felt, although... He made those couple of chances in this match. Um, he just seemed a little bit off it. Um, so it wasn't a surprise that, you know, he, he came off. You saw, It just felt like something wasn't right. And as I say, the the, the uh, comments have come out since that he has been struggling mm-hmm. hamstring for, for a good while. So, so yeah, so I think around us, it wasn't, a, oh my God, that's it. Chance has gone. You know, it, it was, it is what it is. You know, let's, let's crack on sort of thing. I don't, it wasn't hugely negative, no. Well, I mean, I've got to say, when I saw it was Phil coming on um, and to play kind of in those same areas that Kev does, I was, you know, hugely encouraged by that. Um, Aysan, were you the same? Were you, how did you feel from one Stockport lad to another to see him <laughs> in the Champions League final? No, I mean, I, I, as soon as I... Firstly, on the, on the Kev injury thing, I think it's really heartbreaking for him. It's very... It was very difficult to take seeing him sat on the turf because you just knew knowing him mm. i knew when you saw him sat down sort of with his 
arms around his knees, I was like, no, he's not getting up from this. That's the look of a man who now knows that his race is run in this game. Um, And then it was just my mind immediately went to, okay, so Mares on, Bernardo into the middle, or, you know, like what was the, what was Pep's move going to be? And then I saw it was Phil. It was like, okay. And then it was a question of where's he going to place Phil? Is Phil going to go and take Bernardo's place and Bernardo's going to go into the middle or is Phil going to play centrally? Um, I was I was delighted that Phil got the nod. And I think that in in a small way, him coming on changed the game. I think we were better after he came on. Is that from, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. And in fact, let's, let's put that on, on pause for a second until we get to the goal. Because, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely return to that. Um, so, yeah, he, he provided the energy and, and kind of, you know, the fearlessness as well um, from youth, I guess. Um, that really added and helped us. Um, but we're still, we get to half time. Um, we've created a couple of chances, namely the Harlem one. We don't overly look in danger of conceding, but it's clear at half time now that this is going to be a really tight, really tense, cagey 45 minutes ahead. How are you feeling at half time, my son? Um, yeah, I was I was okay because I was grateful for the half time whistle. Um and I felt as though we weren't gonna get any worse in the second half. I felt as though I was pretty sure we'd get better in the second half. And so I didn't have yeah, I was I was happy for the halftime whistle, but I didn't have. I, I think I realised I probably had more anxiety in the first fifteen of the game than I did at halftime. I think by halftime, I think they all will have known what sort of game they were in, and they all will have known what it was going to take to to win it in the second half. Ben, was there a lot of um, was there a sense of we'll do this in the second half, or was there more trepidation that? Like what? Where was the where was the kind of the emotional barometer? Where was it at half time? Well, I think for for the group that I was in with my mates is we almost had to check ourselves to be honest. In that you know, there's you hear, hear voices from back, you know behind you. And as I say, there was it felt very nervous from the, from the fans, and it felt to be honest like we were losing at half time. That that was the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pe- people were. Obviously, there wasn't any any booing or anything like that was, as the players walked off. But you know, it was a you know a bit of a you know for fuck's sake sort of thing. You know, God, you know what we're going to do and all this sort of stuff. And we between you know me and my mates, a couple of us sort of said, you know, people need to you know we're in this. This you know effectively we're forty five minutes away from winning this. There's a game game on here that we're definitely still in, you know, when we're not losing. So yeah, it felt it felt more negative than it needed to be. Um, is that yeah, from the performance or do you think do you think a little bit of the experience and I'm sure you'll talk about it a little bit later but just in terms of getting to and from the ground and and what that yeah. day became do you think that that fed into that no I, I don't think that I mean I think okay. the people once you're there and the game kicks off and you you know you're thinking and and don't get me wrong the venue itself as a stadium you know, when you look out and, you know, you look at the photos you've taken, it looks like a big European night of, a, you know, that sort of, hmm. you know, grand, grandeur, I guess. It is It is a good stadium. It's a big stadium. You know, it, look, it looked great. Um, so I think once you're there, you, you're in game mode. I, I just feel the overall, and, you know, I don't think this, this is just personal. I just felt around me that it was nerves. There was a lot of nerves around and it was almost a, maybe City fans thought, we, you know, 
I'll I'll basically I'll feel a lot less nervous once we're two up and three up, and I'll actually start enjoying myself at that point. It didn't feel like people were either enjoying themselves around me, if, if I'm honest, at, at half time. Ben, can I just ask because I've never been to a Champions League final, um, and the yeah. only kind of uh, game abroad I've been to is have been in France. Um, yeah. So at half time, how was? How does it differ to being at halftime at the Etihad, for example? You know, whereupon I would just get up and go to, mm. onto the concourse and get a drink, get a pint, or whatever it may be. Yep. You, is that roughly the same? Was, was there a concourse there? Was, was there somewhere where you could just go and stretch your legs and get a drink? Yeah, so it, it's all you, you'll have seen the picture. So it's all completely uh, open air. The, the back and you know mm. the north and the south stand, I guess, of, of the stadium. Um, there was a couple of you know, food and drink outlets. There was no alcohol served. And if you're aware of that, absolutely none uh, in the stadium whatsoever. Mm. Um, so there's none of that going on. And, and yeah, I'll get into it later, but the, the food and everything, the queuing for that was a bit of a disaster. So you could get up. Um, the, going into detail, the, the sort of, you know, the, the, the rows of seats, none of, it was it, all of that, interestingly, because I'm not sure when the stadium was built, obviously Liverpool played there, didn't they? Um, you know, about fifteen years ago, so it's it's not new, but none of the none. It was all very much on concrete. None of the seats folded up, for example. So it was very, very tight. You know, your, your knees right. were up against the person in front of you, his back. So, um, so you could get up and and go around, and it, because it be there was a huge open space behind us of the concrete before it was like the food kiosks and stuff. So, so people were getting getting up about. I'd say majority stayed in the seats. Maybe that's because, as I say, there's absolutely no alcohol being served whatsoever. Uh, and maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe to be honest, when when I'm talking about nerves and stuff, you know, one of my mates said this. You know, there's there's that element, but you know, there's been no no there's no beer flowing really. There's no there's none of that. So. There was no beer in the ground at all. I believe they they ran out of beer uh, at the fan park an hour or two before the fan park was meant to close. So, and there's obviously people have made that that long journey always take a long time from the city centre. So, I mean, personally, for myself, I'm not saying that this this necessarily makes me and you know it is the the whole enjoyment of the game. But I hadn't had a drink for like four hours, five hours at this point. I hate that. Um, you start sobering up. You start feeling a, a touch hungover almost. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so again, that might have been a contributory factor to the to the to the atmosphere too. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's kind of fast forward to I think it's something like the fifty seventh minute or so where Edison, um, after a misunderstanding with a kanji, uh, is needed. Um, very much so. Um, was it Martinez? Wasn't it? Who kind of broke clear on the left? Five minutes later, um, a small matter of a, a goal being scored in a football match. <laughs> um, let's break this down then. Uh, Asan, I want to come back to what we are talking about, Phil Foden, and how he is a difference maker. Because for all that Kevin De Bruyne gives us, a substantial, huge amount that he gives us, he wouldn't have done what Phil Foden did in that moment, which is receive a ball inside the penalty area, come back on himself actually come out of the penalty box trailed by a defender at first glance you think that's because he's been so well shackled um it's not it's the he's a disruptor he knows exactly what he's doing at that point phil foden he's bringing a defender out furthermore kind of changing things up basically um which affords us to well what happens which is a through ball to bernardo and the pullback that's what the difference Phil Foden makes, isn't it? He just does things like that. An yeah, I mean, thing like that. Yeah, I, I, although I would say that it's something that I would expect all of them to do. I think that um, 
one of the one of the things that maybe you'd you'd feel in the game on on Saturday is that everybody plays a little bit within themselves and there's an element of nobody's nobody's doing aggressively what they're meant to be doing everybody's doing everything they're meant to do really safely um and Foden is very much a character who is quite aggressive in his actions and in the past you know that's why Guardiola's taken him out of the team because in in moments that can lead to you losing control of a game if you lose the football in the wrong area um but for me I want to give I kind of want to give a kanji his flowers man because again like he him and Edison, Akanji makes that mistake, right? That's an Akanji mistake that leads to yeah. to to what happens, right? And I think that that's a really easy moment in a Champions League final for you to go hiding, for you to basically go, yeah, I'm going to hide now. I'm not going to do anything dangerous or risky. And on the contrary, Akanji strides forward, and it's only because he pushes so far forward that Bastoni finally has to step out of that really deep block that they're in. And as soon as Bastoni steps forward, there's space to play that pass that Akanji plays in uh, plays in a Bernardo, and that's it. It feels suddenly like the whole of the penalty area has opened up almost for the first time. Yes, um, yeah, and so. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was a, a, a it was a, it was a <laughs> it was a goal so filled with emotion, and it was a goal that, in a way, was so fitting of of this season and this city team because we hadn't been great, and then two players do two really great things, and uh, so talked because again, like. I've watched it a lot, but I can't really analyze it. It just, it washes over me. Like Bernardo gets to the byline and he cuts it back and then everybody shouts for handball. So there's a deflection, right? Yes, yeah, I didn't see nip, that. Did, did you see yeah. that in the stadium, Ben? Because I didn't see that until the replays, the possible handball. Yeah, so to to sort of go through play by play. So, so obviously we're at the South Standard Stadium, so we're right behind that goal. Right. Um, so, so, so as you as you say, obviously, um, Akanji plays the ball through, and all of a sudden, there's a huge, as Aysen says, a huge wide open space that you're thinking this is the first game that we've got in behind, the first time that we've got in behind at all. So he, I think, I think Bernardo crosses it with his right foot, and it takes a nick off one of their players. Um, it all happened so quick. I don't even think, to be honest, there was a time for the, even the fans to to shout yeah. the handball or anything like that. Um, and then, obviously, the ball to go through it play by play. The ball rolls out to Rodri. Well, just uh, to, and, quickly interject there. So, like, I'm watching it on the television. set. I, I put it on Twitter yeah. about about this. I can't see that it's Rodri, but basically, I, I've seen where the ball has gone. Same. And, yeah. and you can't see, can you? And for for a good yeah. two three seconds, it's a case of I. I'm pretty sure this is going to be a City player who's going to run onto this, and I yeah. desperately hope it is. And it looked like such an easy chance from the camera angle, which mm. obviously it replays show that it wasn't. So how does it look in the stage? You, you can see it's Rodri running onto it. So it must be a very different experience for you. So, and and this isn't at all sound, you know, meaning to, to sound arrogant. As that ball is rolling out the stadium, or certainly around right. me, we're thinking goal. Right. The more yeah, yeah. That you yeah. feel that it's Rodri coming onto it, you're thinking goal. You're thinking, I've seen him do this. Mm. You know, he's a good finisher. He's just going to, obviously, he didn't smash it, but he's going to put it in the back of the net. 
you know, with with some element of purpose. So, yeah, I think it, it, as it, it broke three, it broke free, and there was a, a you know there was space around it, and you know you could see he was running onto it. And I don't know if you've seen, I've seen a couple of videos of the the sort of fan reaction. And you, if you watch effectively, if you watch people's eyes, they're thinking he's going to hit. You know, this <laughs> yes. yeah. so there's almost you know almost a bit like they sort of say you know you hear that gasp of breath before a goal don't you there's almost a double one of those because it's almost like oh my god it's Rodri oh my god it's a goal sort of thing yeah. so so yeah so it was that and of course you know complete pandemonium as soon as as, uh, as you see it hit the back of the net but as soon as soon as it rolled back it just felt inevitable there are definite kind of um, mirroring with Yaya Torre's goal uh, in yeah. the FA Cup final. Um, it's, in fact, it's quite uncanny. Um, but there's another goal I want to kind of evoke, um, Aizan, which is Rodri's goal against Aston Villa. Both times, just the narrowest of targets to aim yeah. for. Both times, cool, under pressure, just does his job, executes it perfectly. He is... In in every possible way, he's a he's a perfect man for for City in, in terms of what he does and what he gives us. But in those moments as well, you want it to fall to Rodri or Gundo, don't you? Because they are just cool, cool as you like. Absolutely, it's funny because I think that it reminded me of of two goals against Villa. It reminded me of Rodri's goal against Villa. But what Ben just referred to, that gasp before the goal reminded me of Gundo's goal against Villa, the the uh, the winner, um, when Kev puts that cross yes. right across, yeah, and there's that gasp, because as, as the ball moves across, you just know, you're like, somebody's going to be on the end of that, and then that's going to be a goal, and I think it was similar, where the ball gets pulled back. It's funny, because when, uh, when, when the ball got played into Bernardo, right <laughs> one of my mates who i was with just and he's not even a city fan right and the ball gets played to bernardo and he goes goal and i go calm down and then it then it's like the hand thing and i'm like handball and then the ball is kind of rolling <laughs> back and i'm going who's somebody's there somebody's got and then yeah and then bang and then rodri just comes and does his uh does his rodri thing I've, you know i believe that it's kind of fitting that we end up winning the Champions League with Guardiola as manager in a game that was just bitty and gnarly and wasn't very good and there wasn't very much good football played and it wasn't, you know, I think that the uh, emotional legacy of that game will live much, much longer because of how it was won, the manner in which it was won. I think that if that game had been three or four nil to City, it would have a different feeling the tightness of it, the tautness of it, the yeah. fact that Guardiola's absolutely right in the post-game interviews where he goes, that's just, you know, I feel for Inter Milan right now because I've been in their shoes too. Look at what happened to us against Real Madrid. These are the fine margins, the fine, fine margins in the Champions League. And I think it's, I think it to me, it feeds into a wider point about football as a sport um, and City as a team and a club and the kind of narratives around us that, that there's this kind of there's there's this sort of desperation to make everything about City be inevitable that like you know they can't be stopped and they're always going to win everything because of the money and yada 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 and yet when you look at our biggest moments whether it be title wins because how many of those have gone at the last day you know glorious defeats in semi-finals against Real Madrid where you concede two in the last two minutes 
or then you know the Champions League final on Saturday against Inter Milan where it's won by a single goal in a game that had Milan equalized in the last five minutes I don't think any of us would be sat here going they didn't deserve that so it's yeah I mean it just everything feels right about how this has happened this season I feel as though we've we we've traversed every single football narrative possible possible yeah and when you look back at kind of European Cup finals and Champions League finals you can pick up maybe four from the last 30 40 years like one in 10 have been comprehensive and or, or exciting it's all of them a bitty and gnarly you look back at Forest's win against Malmo and well all of them since then I mean there's been some dire finals so I loved that it, it was just so quintessentially European Cup final <laughs> that, that that was an aspect that I did love but obviously only in hindsight at the, t- at the time it was torture um but going back to the goal Ben the celebrations yep. what was that like oh it was huge huge relief I guess as I say maybe that's you know from that sort of a nervous emotion that had been around us. Uh, and it, fe- yeah. it felt like one of those games, as you were saying there, being tight, it felt like, where is a goal going to come from? Um, so for for us to, to get a chance, um, you know, w- was huge. So, and that, I guess, sort of, you know, took the shackles off the fans at that point. You know, I guess we started to think, you know, right, we've got our goal now. Uh, and, and you, you know, there's there's trust, obviously, in our in our defence, although, we, you know, we weren't to know what was to come. Um but yeah, just just huge, huge relief, outpouring of emotion. I think per, from a personal point of view, I didn't let myself fully go until the final whistle. Yeah. Um, but you know, there was it. It was a huge, huge moment again. Randomly hugging strangers <laughs> because because as as I say, because those the seats was were so close. Most people were folding themselves over three rows of seats and stuff like that. <laughs> so so uh, yeah, so you as well as hugging people, you were helping people up left, right, and, and centre. There was it literally yeah, <laughs> as a, as the saying goes, there was limbs everywhere. Yeah, um, and you were watching with some City fans, but also there was Inter fans there, and there was just some rival fans, United. I'm guessing Liverpool. Um, how was the goal received from from where you were? It was pretty wild in there, you know. I have to say, I think that um, we there was enough City fans in there that just let themselves go after the goal. I, I imagine it will have been different in the stadium, but I think outside, watching it from where I was watching it, when the goal went in, it was an outpouring of emotion that, was really 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 intense is that because you had access to alcohol and ben didn't know (laughs) probably no it's it's true probably because we we really did you know we were we were loose do you know what i mean by the time the game kicked off we were loose so there was uh yeah we were we were very emotionally uh emotionally emotionally charged and look after the goal everything is a blur because I just, I felt we were going to do it. I think that they needed to take the lead. And there was always going to be a moment where Inter Milan came with some pressure and City were always going to have to have a moment of, I mean, look, there's there's not a lot of difference between the end of the FA Cup final and the end of the Champions League final in, in terms of the fact that City don't play that great, don't really create enough to score loads of goals. Once they get a goal ahead 
they're not going to go chasing anything. They're just going to be like, okay, we just need to figure out a way to get through this until the final whistle. And that's what they did. And, you know, the mark of a great team, as much as it is going and slapping everybody 7-0, it's knowing when you're not having a good day and knowing how to just get the job done. Fundamentally, all they needed to do in the last 15 minutes of that game was by hook or by crook, just get the job done. That was explained really well by of all people Rio Ferdinand after the game um it's possibly the only and let's hope it is the only time in my life that I actually thought oh fair dues that's actually you know he explained it so well that you know that is a mark of a great time exactly as you said there and to win ugly when it when when you have to to have different kind of strings to your bow it's um yeah, and it was a perfect illustration of that, I thought, in, in Istanbul. Uh, and, and the players would have known, wouldn't they? They'd have known five minutes in, we're not really at it today. We're, you know, we're looking nervy. Uh, you know, in myself, I don't feel quite right. I feel kind of nervy. My teammates aren't, you know, they'd have known. And so you adapt and you get the job done. And that's what they, what, what they did. But mm. on the way, they we also needed luck, let's be honest. Um, Inter had one hell of a chance after 70 minutes. DeMarco heading against the, the bar. Um, it said on commentary that he would have been better, you know, heading down. I think it was quite a, you know, it made sense to kind of try and loop it over Edison. There's enough space there, wasn't there? It was just unfortunate. He got a little bit too much on it. Um, six minutes after that, there's something we really must talk about, which is the Foden spin uh, and the chance. Ben, if that had gone in... <laughs> I mean, yeah. it seems so petty to kind of, um, you know, to look on kind of to say what ifs and all the rest of it, considering what we've seen this weekend. But imagine that as a Champions League goal from Phil Foden to cap it. To win I'd it. still be out. I'd still be out. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. If that goes in, I'm still out now. The turn was gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And and he yeah. struck it fairly well. It just needed a little bit more to the right. Um so there's that as well. Um, let's fast forward to the 87th minute. Um, point blank save by Edison. Ben, yeah. good save or a save that pretty much any keeper would make or a great save because of the circumstances? So I, I'm a, a, bit, a, a bit torn on this because I think you can say how much did he know about it. Um, I guess there's an element of, of maybe this has been really kind. You know, there's an element that his positioning's good and that he does... He moves his legs towards it, so he there's does. a reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think if you've, if what I've watched it a couple of times since, if you see the more impressive thing is Diaz's header away. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it, obviously, I mean, I guess that that is also reaction. But how he doesn't score an own goal at that point was more impressive to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you you take the wins, don't you? It's a save. He's, he's Lukaku should score. That if you know, it's it was a miss more than a you know fantastic save. I guess that's that's what I'm saying. It's a save that I would make it ninety nine yeah. times out of hundred five aside. I have to be honest, but Asan, it's it's the moment, isn't it? That's the thing with sport. It's not just what what is done; it's when it's done. And for him to do that three minutes from the end, furthermore to pull off. I mean, I I think actually just between the three of us with no one listening, I think that save right at the death was a pretty, you know, average, ordinary save that you would make 100 times out of 102. But they are iconic saves now because they won us the Champions League. They were they were pulled off three minutes from the end and deep into stoppage time. So would you go along with that? It's not actually just what he did, 
but when he did it and in the circumstances. Of course. I mean, you know, f- football is narratives and, and narratives are created in, in those in those huge moments and for him to for him to be there. And I just I, I think all of them, I think that, you know, again, like there's so many, not just on Saturday, but right down the years there's so many iconic moments that this city team have given us and not just the attacking moments the defensive moments the you know what is it the stones the goal line clearance that that wins us the league a few years back mm, there's yeah. just there's loads of them there's the the one in the fa cup final last the head in the bar last weekend i mean eddie making the saves on saturday it's now I'm getting emotional when you think about <laughs> that that as a journey and a ride um as a football club it's it's just crazy man it's it's almost unfathomable that that we've seen all of this in such a short period of time absolutely um, I think as well with with Edison there's, there's also the the cross that he collects Shortly before, that. yes, yeah, um, you know, it's it's going going far, but and he comes and he, you know, when you see him walk, running out, you're thinking, oh god, and he gets it, and that takes the pressure off us hugely. And I think the the, the second save, the one which is sort of, I mean, as you say, it's, it's not even quite in the top corner, is it? But th- there is one angle if you've seen it from behind that goal, yeah, and it's a bit more, it's more impressive than I initially thought, um, and and yeah, it's it's huge for him to come out, and it's not. You know, he's not parrying it or anything like that. He gets a really, really good uh, fist on it to to take the pressure off us. And I, I think, as Aysan said, there's, there's there's obviously key moments in these, whether it's the title running or anything. You know, and I think, you know, props to to Edison because he he certainly stood up in that game and you know a huge contra, contributory factor for the for the game and the result. Well, he didn't, you know, it could have been very easily put out for a corner. And, and you know, there, there was purposeful effort to, to avoid that as well. So there was that to factor in. But, of course, it didn't matter because, what, what, what two seconds later, the final whistle went. Before we get to that final whistle, though, Aysan, man of a match for you? Um, Rodri. Okay. I mean, I, I, they were all rubbish, so I'm just going to have to give it to Rodri <laughs> because, you know, Stones he scored the goal. Yeah, I that... thought Stones played well and... Um, I mean, Edson played. I, yeah, the, we are talking about three or four players though who who played well and. Yeah, I mean, they played. Look, they, they 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 Stones did well in some moments, and he did some things that make great little clips on <laughs> on uh, on on Twitter and stuff like that. But you know, I know the level of this team. I, I was at the Etihad. I saw how they played against Real Madrid. That on Saturday was not what it was against Real Madrid at the Etihad. So for me. Um, they were by their own standards, they were pretty piss poor. Um, so I'm giving it to Rodri because at least that man knows how to put the ball in the back of the net when it matters. <laughs> fair, fair shout. I will go for Johnny Stone, though. Um, Ben, man of a match for you? Yeah, I think I totally agree with Ace. And there's a there's one of the you know, every touches that the player has in the game of Stones. And if you go back and watch that, there's there's so many really good touches, and it made me think watching those. Obviously, he's getting a lot, you know, of, um, of praises in the last few games. He got quite a bit after the after the cup final, but he he is coming on so much. There's so many spots in that game where he's not just playing the wall pass um, and stuff, you know, which which maybe you know we'd always expect him to do. He's, he's getting the ball in moments, you know, sometimes you know two or three nice touches to get himself out of trouble, which of course is so important to a Pep team. So I thought Stones was good. I thought, pers- I think 
I'd probably give the man of the match to Bernardo. I think he was always bright. Whenever he got the ball, he almost, you know, he was either trying to run at a player. I don't remember him giving the ball away too much. Um, and also just for that little bit of shithousery, I can't remember, it was against their, their winger towards the end where he took him on about three or four times and kept going back for more. Um, but yeah, I, he he looked the brightest and he he looked the, the sort of most ineffective of the nerves. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was a, it was a low bar, I guess, is what, what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. And then came the final whistle, and Manchester City Champions League winners won the treble. Um, history has been made. Um, I'm definitely coming to both of you for this. Hey, Sam, mm-hmm. how did you how did you feel? How did you react on that final whistle? Yeah, a lot of tears. Definitely not ashamed to say that there was there was a lot of tears knocking about. There was a lot of uh, a lot of emotion knocking about. There's a lot of drinks knocking about as well. A lot of drinks got spilled in the uh, in the moment when the final whistle went. Just a lot of everything. The the rest of the night just became a lot of a lot of everything. And like I said earlier, I don't really think it's sunk in, and I don't really think I know what it means or you know like what its its significance i guess only history can tell us what its significance is i want to enjoy this week as much as i can in terms of what it is but then <laughs> we have to do it again next season you know <laughs> there's not there's there isn't that long that's the beautiful thing about football one season ends and the next one is is almost immediately upon you and you know i don't I, I think that there's this uh maybe it's because i'm a city fan right so uh I, i'm i'm not a particularly nostalgic person so i'm not a fella that will go oh do you remember that three years oh how lovely was that like for me that just seems a bit futile and pointless i like to look forward and create new moments like that's continually how i live my life and so for me i know that i I love the fact that we've won the treble because united had never done it before oh sorry but other than united nobody had done it before but beyond that like at the end of this week i'm going to start thinking about next season and what how do we do it again and what's going to happen to this team? I mean, the stories are there already this morning that Guardiola's leaving in two years because that's now a thing that we can turn into a story. Um, but I, I view something like that and I go, all right, well, if we've, got, if we've only got Pep for two more years, then we need to do two more trebles, maybe even do a quadruple, you know, win the European Super Cup in, in amongst it all. Um, so there's a lot of... There's uh, there's a lot of emotion and it'll it'll come out in in the next four or five days. But in the main, I think we all deserve it. Not just the players and the coaching staff and the club, us, the supporters, our generation. We, our generation, lived through a generation of utter misery in the shadow of Man United, and now they live in the shadow of us. Perfect, Ben. Um, how was it in the stadium? Um, the final whistle goes. I've seen the videos. Um, it just looked amazing. Was it amazing? Yeah. I mean, it was at that point when you think we've done it. And I think the, the layers obviously build. I felt this from the from the FA Cup final. It's the the fact that obviously the final whistle goes. Um, 
we've you know it's we've won the FA Cup final and we've beaten Man United and the treble is now on. Um, and it almost felt like that, you know, we've we've won the game, we've won the European Cup, we've won the treble, uh, and you know, mission, mission complete sort of thing. Um, in terms of the emotion, yeah, I mean, as I as I touched on earlier, tears all around, um, you know, lots of that sort of stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, getting emotional about it now. But um, hmm. but yeah, it was it was it was just. There's always that element of disbelief, and it does take take a while for it to to sink in. But it was just, uh, yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's once in a lifetime because you know we might win it again. We might win it again next year at Wembley, but you know it will never be another first time, will it? And and what a moment! Just what? Mm-hmm. Never mind the game and and the achievement. What a moment! It was just, and I know I, I'm, I'm with you, Asan. It hasn't sunk in yet, but that first bit of it sinking in on that final whistle i'm gonna treasure that forever um ben so you're out there you've you've had that moment it's been incredible the the trip has been incredible it's been very hard track for you to get there requiring kind of you know several days and all the rest of it but you're there in the ground now and you're thinking okay i've been deprived of beer um (laughs) you know I, i i didn't even ask how you got to the stadium but there was all kinds of palaver wasn't it getting to the stadium um yeah involving kind of you know extortionately quoted taxi uh, prices uh, and the rest of it um but you're there you think okay you know go on the piss now and the flight home how did um uefa cock it up and to what extent did they cock it up so i mean to 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 give you um an idea of of our sort of plans with, with match day so uh we Basically headed out around around lunchtime, met some friends who were at a hotel nearby. And this is, you know, 12, one, 1 o'clock or something like that. And basically said, right, the, the plan is uh, one of our group didn't have a ticket. Um, so he was still scrambling around Facebook groups, Twitter, etc., seeing if he can get a ticket. So so obviously that w- that was high on the list, um, consuming stress levels. But it was basically the idea would be we'll have a spot of lunch. Uh, we'll head over to the fan park. Which was where the the shuttle buses buses were running from, um, and then make our way up to the stadium. Obviously, with the what happened in Paris last year, um, you know, I think all the all the city fans were aware that you know we were we were going to have to get there relatively early. Um, but we were told that the shuttle buses would be running from the fan park, and basically, the shuttle buses would be given a priority um, priority lane uh, up to the on the on the highway up to the stadium. Um, and looking on Google Maps and stuff, it was basically I think it's about twenty twenty k um, the uh, the route up there twenty kilometers. So so shouldn't shouldn't take long at all. As the days build in, and obviously as people are exchanging messages, you sort of hear messages like people saying, "You know, the bus journey's taking me over an hour. The the fan park, it's impossible to get into, and all that sort of stuff." So our plans, personally, as I say, we got we got a spot of lunch as a as a group. Uh, my mate, luckily managed to see um i think the guy was actually uh austrian guy he was walking around with a piece of paper stuck to his back saying i have a spare ticket i think he worked i think he worked for worked for your wafer or knew somebody <laughs> so paid uh one of my, my mate paid a uh, thousand euros for a ticket so that that involved a little bit of stress is stress because he had to uh they had to basically get three or four credit cards between them to get the the, right. uh, the correct correct amount out of the, the atm and of course being in Turkey, they had to find particular ATMs that gave out euros, which is what this guy needed to be paid in. 
Um, so, so yeah, so, so we got that. And I think by the time we'd messed around, um, I think I'd, I'd messaged Lloyd and basically arranged to meet Lloyd in the fan park. Um, but you know, time was getting on. And as I say, we were aware that the, the queues for the shuttle buses were, were growing. So I think we got to the fan park, um, and we could see in the distance that, that a sort of huge, huge queue was growing. We didn't know whether that was to get into the fan park or to get onto the buses because, as I say, the plan was to basically go into the fan park, have a beer, and then a little bit later get the bus. Um, but this is about, I guess this is about three or four maybe. Um, so we got there. The, the queue did turn out to be uh, for the shuttle buses themselves. I'll say at that point, the queues themselves seemed to be pretty well organised. It was moving quite quickly. You basically moved up the queue. We were probably in the queue for about forty-five minutes, but it, it was moving. So you know, psychologically, you're not you're not too bothered. Uh, and they basically filled up a bus. Bus went off, and it, it all seemed good. And it was it was a good start. Um, the journey itself was was basically wall to wall traffic. There was no priority lanes for the for the buses or anything like that. Um, and it took about two hours. I think, um, you know, obviously aircon and stuff in the coach, but still not great. And you, you know, sat on the, they literally, the, the coaches were absolutely rammed full. So people are sat on the floor and, and, and stuff like that. So I think we got to the fan park about just coming up to seven where we literally walked in the fan park. So the idea was that I think the fan park was due to be open until eight, which is two hours before kickoff, obviously local time kickoff being at 10. Um, but as we walked in, the first thing that we see on the screens was basically all food concessions and drink concessions will be closing immediately. And we didn't know at the time, but apparently we heard a few people say that they'd run out, um, they certainly run out of beer, but they basically just decided to close everything. Um, and my being with my son anyway, and obviously hearing about Paris, I guess we were a bit more anxious to get in the ground. And to be honest, my, my son's a bit of one of, he'd, he'd much rather get in there super early and you know see the warm-up and stuff like that so so me and my son um said right you know effectively there's nothing else to do anyway none of the none of the drinks and, and food places are open so let's let's go into the ground um the, the rest of my group sort of they tried to get a beer but they later told me they basically queued up for 45 minutes and, and couldn't get one um, so so we went into the ground and the, the turnstiles and everything it was basically a series of of id checks and for us at that time, like I say, seven o'clock. So yeah, this, this is three hours before kickoff. Um, it was all straightforward. I have heard stories basically saying that at eight o'clock, they closed the fan park entirely. And basically there was a bit of a rush to get into the stadium. And there was a, you know, a little bit of, you know, not extreme crushing or anything, but there was a little bit of um, issues about getting into the ground. And a few people had to, I heard one story on them um, when I was driving back yesterday on, on Five Live about, um, a lady with her son basically saying she had to come out of the queue for 20 minutes while it died down because her and her son were getting squashed. So so we get into the ground about three hours before. We queue up for uh, food. Uh, we're in the queue for about an hour. As I said, we've only, we've only had lunch at this point and this, you know, we're getting on for seven or eight o'clock. Uh, get to the, it, I'm, I'm laughing because if, you know, at the time, if you don't, you're not laughing, you, you're crying. But we get to the front of the queue uh, and we've been told, obviously, Tournament sponsored by MasterCard. Don't take any cash to the stadium, and all the card machines stop working. Um, so, Christ. so and at that point, basically, I lost my temper a little bit with the guy and stormed off from the thing, having not, you know, not food or drink. And I basically had to. I, I said to my son, "Right, let's take a photo." 
took and my son was as angry as I was. I said, look, look, like it's gonna spoil our day. We need to snap out of this now um and, and get and get on with the, the day really. So so that I guess really took the wind out of our sails. You know, even in the bus leaving when we left, you know, there was, as you can imagine, there's all sing singing songs and everything within about an hour of the journey that I sort of died. So we'd had the wind sort of taken from our sails. Um but then I guess the the worst bit after the match was um obviously we walk out of the stadium again, great spirits. Um not it was we weren't really directed where to go. We managed to find uh, somebody working for UEFA. Um and they pointed us back into the direction of the fan park, which is where we were to get our bus. And effectively, you know, if you can imagine twenty thousand fans or or near that walking towards this car park and then we basically get to the car park and there's in sight there's there's three buses essentially for for 20,000 people and you're thinking you know it's it it was too obviously it's as i say it's like 20 kilometers too far to walk you know what are we going to do there's a bit of a scramble for people getting taxis but again people getting quoted ridiculous amounts for taxis um and eventually we meander people were saying you know it's a bit like the walking dead nobody knows where to go there's no official of any type telling you what to do we sort of follow the crowd to a bunch of other buses at the back of the car park um and it was like again i'm laughing because if we don't you, you'll cry but each bus that you went to was full you keep walking there's another bus oh no that's full managed to find a bus um again absolutely squashed in um and really we were sat on the bus for i think two and a half hours before it even moved um, wow. so we get back to Sorry to interject, so still the last thing you ate was lunchtime? Yeah, at this point, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, So we get onto the bus. Again, it's all good spirits. Everyone's pleased and happy. And, you know, thank God for that, because I think if it wouldn't have been, you know, people would have been a lot more pissed off. So so once the the bus finally gets, you know, to to cut a long story short, the bus finally gets moving and we we get back on the highway and, and get back. And I think we got back to our hotel. And bear in mind, you know, we didn't, me being with my son at this point, knackered and stuff, we didn't go for drinks or anything. We got back to our hotel at half four and our taxi picked us up at half eight or something. I think we uh, we literally went to the mini market, had an ice cream before we went to sleep as a celebratory ice cream. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, and then, you know, on the taxi in the airport first thing. But I mean, looking around, it seems a, a, com- a common story that, it was just it was just a shit show really and how you know the as you can imagine istanbul it was a great place it's chaotic yes there's traffic there's you know there's i you know for example i believe lloyd got his wallet robbed i heard all the people passports um if you've heard that yeah but yeah there's yeah. all sorts of that stuff going on and it's a chaotic place and you know and I guess that's not some of the charm um but this was you know how a, a, you know, a, a match that's bringing in this much money in a tournament and stuff, how they managed to, you know, not have it running like clockwork. And and I believe having read, like I read a, an article this morning from somebody in the press, apparently it was just as bad for the pre-match stuff the day before. So, you so, know, they, they knew what was happening about getting, you know, 70,000 people up to the stadium, which is effectively the stadium itself is it's a, on like a hill. So there's literally like a single winding road up to this, up to this stadium where they've got to get all these people in and out. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that was that was my experience. As I say, it's, I think it's common to quite a few um, City fans and as of my, my wife keeps telling me, you need to stop bloody moaning about it and thinking about <laughs> the, 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 the trophy and stuff. But, you know, it was, 
and and it was all we were on there and there's a guy behind me on the bus for example and he was talking to his son and he said you know when we're looking back at this in years to come we'll forget all this and of course we will and we'll think about the treble and the match and the trophy um and everything like that but it just it it put a, like a, a dampener certainly pre-match after the match you can sort of think well whatever as long as as long as we get home eventually that's fine but you know it was it was just a, a shit show yeah as i say Ethan, when you hear ben's story there and we acknowledge what liverpool fans had to endure last year in paris because no matter how we feel about kind of liverpool and and, and the fans you know they enjoyed a similar shit show as well last year um and after that you know, it made sufficient waves where it was expected that this year would be different. And when you hear about, you know, you wait for officials who don't give a shit about football and sell sell a ticket for a thousand euros, how big a disgrace is it? How big a disgrace are you, Wafer? <laughs> how do you want me to answer that question? Do you know what I mean? Like, Are they, are they abhorrent? Are they morally bankrupt? Or are they both of those things? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that they're. I think the supporters in general are the least important people uh, in football when it comes yeah. to the clubs and the administrators. And I don't make many differences between the clubs and the administrators. In the end, everybody is massively self-interested. Everything is about money. And we're not just talking about clean money. Everything's about money and backhanders. And that's why all these rando places get given finals. That's, I mean, it's it's politics, you know. It's the same politics that allows Sheikh Mansour to come to the game uh, to meet the Turkish president, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it just, it's, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a grubby game. Like people, can, people. Can you see it ever changing? No. Ever like it? this is the thing. Like nothing has ever really changed. There's. It's like people talk about football now, modern football, as like, well, modern football is the worst, man. It's just like it's corrupt. It's like no football in all of my lifetime has been corrupt. It's always been yeah. about brown paper bags and backhanders and all that sort of business. And the supporters have always been the meat in the sandwich. It's. It's, it's just. It's not something that you. You can tell where the supporters land in importance when you look at the way that tickets are divided up for cup finals. The fact that UEFA's and corporates get more physical tickets, more access to a stadium than the supporters itself should tell you everything you need to know about who these events are catered for and catered to. Yeah. Yeah, bang on. It's... um. Yeah, and, and, and like you, I can't see it ever improving. And like you, I completely agree that it's always been thus as well, that supporters have always been the very lowest in the food chain when it comes to football and particularly, you know, the authorities. Um, yeah, it's it's shit. It's absolute shit. And Ben's story will resonate so many, so much, I should say, with so many listeners out there who uh, enjoyed similar. Um but let's not end on a negative. And I was going to end by talking about the response in the media. But again, that would just double down on my negative. Fuck them. Fuck them to kingdom come. Uh, <laughs> we are we are Champions League winners. We've won the treble. I'll just actually just add one from Adam Crafton, who put, I think it was about half past 10 on Saturday night, saying, um, we need to discuss how Manchester City rose to power. Uh, it's important to have this discussion. Uh, now is the right time to discuss it. 
an hour after kickoff, uh, sorry, an hour after the game finished, and now after we've won the Champions League, my wife is always telling me, look, you get too wound up by these guys, just fuck, you know, just ignore them. She saw that and said, well, all he's doing is clearly just trolling City fans there, just trying to wind them up and, in their moment of glory. Uh, it's pathetic beyond belief. Um, but fuck them, like I say, we've won the Champions if, um, League, lads. Go on, if, if anybody gets this chance, uh, I was, again, I was listening to the uh, Five Live podcast coming, uh, driving back yesterday. So uh, Adam Crafton was off on that and... Um, I can't remember the guy's Steve, uh, surname, but you know, is it Steve, the, the ball guy, big Steve, the City fan? Yeah. He, oh, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he, uh, he was, they actually called him, obviously he's still out in Istanbul. Um, and basically uh, he went on a Churchillian speech saying how hmm. big of an achievement it was for, for City's treble and basically all the doubters, et cetera, we've, you know, we've, we've done this and that. And then Adam Crafton, you know, said, brought up the charges, you know, as expected. And basically, Steve absolutely put him in his box and basically said, you know, we will support this club forevermore. We trust mm. the club. This is for the accountants, for the lawyers, etc. And yeah, I recommend having a look at that and see if you can find it because, yeah, he, Adam Crafton basically didn't say anything back after him and it was brilliant. <laughs> well, good shout, man. I know we'll be looking out for that. Um, yeah, and it's about time someone kind of responded in kind to him because uh, he is one of the worst, but there's many others out there, as we see. One, Barney Roney has basically just lied in the press today about the uh, reaction of City fans, which we have just heard from Ben. It was um, an emotional night for everyone in the stadium. And let's face it, it's an emotional time right now to be a City I think fan. to take that. I think to take that view, right, that... To, to completely remove the context of the day and what it took to get there and how long it took to get there and how long it took to get back and everybody knowing that people have not eaten for 12 hours, right? To take the point of view that I didn't see enough emotion and it was like tourists at the Grand Canyon, it completely feeds into this clear fact that is now a fact, right? That the media think it's okay to gaslight city supporters because that's got nothing to do with the ownership. Like you can, t- uh, uh, you, your, your politics, your geopolitical conversations over there, fine, go and have them. It's cool. I get it. You think you're a pseudo intellectual, go and do that thing. But when that becomes just gaslighting supporters for the sake of it, it's a fucking disgrace, man. Like it's just not, it's not a, when, uh, when it's a lie as well, that's the thing. When it's a, yeah, but that's that's what we're here for, and that's what people like Steve's there for on Five Live as well. It's like you know we have. Uh, I'm not going to get above myself, but you know we, we have like an obligation to kind of stick up and talk about the positives because there's so many fucking positives about this Manchester City side and the club right now, and the supporters, the supporters who just went through what they've just gone through in Istanbul, what Ben has just gone through, what he's paid and. Just everything, it's ah, it's astonishing. It should be celebrated, and to to, to come out of a, a a cheap lie like that, just fuck them, fuck them all. And um, I think anyway, to to wrap, um, I've been I've been on a negative rant, but so to 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 finish off from a positive for me, if you the BBC have tweeted out some stats, and if we want to get petty, mm. uh, you know, comparing our treble versus United, if you take a look at those, we won so many more games and if you think in terms of like the way that the draws go you know if you if you think who we've beaten on this this Champions League trip you know the Madrid Bayern Munich and then Inter in the final we've managed to beat Man United in an FA Cup final you know that is not always possible to do to beat your rival as part of a treble so 
for me, that's why, and I think Noel Gallagher said this a, a, a few days ago, I heard he was saying that basically even before we'd got there that, you know, a lot of his United mates were saying, well, it won't be that, you know, as good as our treble. And he basically said, how can it not be as good treble as yours? We have beaten you on the fucking way. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. you can, that is, that's out of your control, isn't it? So we managed to do that to draw Man United in the FA Cup final, beat them in the FA Cup final, and then go on to do it. So for me, you know, we've, this is, this is the one for me. This is, this is a bigger and better treble. It's the, well, I, I, it's the end of the beginning. That's. I think that's. I think that's the best characterization that I've that I've heard. Um, because I think there's this, and maybe that's where the whole Guardiola thing sort of sets me off a little bit. I think that people have um, conflated a well-run football club with one guy. Like I acknowledge that Pep Guardiola uh, is a genius and absolutely has been the difference in many, many, many seasons in many moments whilst he's been here. But that also removes everything else around this football club that will remain. Do you know what I mean? Like, this isn't a... I think there's a sense right now amongst people on the outside that, like, let's just count down until Pep goes because when Pep goes, that's it. And it's like, I don't think so. I... I... I think the opposite. I think that what's the the kind of the strength in the strength in depth in brain trust and talent and yes, money and resources means that City are gonna be here for a long, long, long time. Trying to distill it down to ah oh, well it's just another couple of years till Pep goes. You you're only fooling yourselves because like Noel said, this is just the end of the beginning. There's a whole other story to be told still. Absolutely. We, I, I would I would move on further from the end of the beginning. I would say we're we're currently at the jam in the jam sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of we're in the middle, I would say, and it's so, so sweet right now. It really is. Um Okay, let, let's wrap this up, guys. We um, we had an awful lot to cover and uh, a lot of emotional stuff to discuss, and you guys have done it so, so well. So thank you very much, Asan, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm still not over it, but... I know, I'll, I'll, we're broken. Yeah, we're broken. I'll, I'll get there. I'll definitely get there. Yeah. We, we will mend, and, and I should add, we're very glad to be broken because it's it feels amazing. And um, Ben, thank you very much, and thank you for joining us after what you've been through. I mean, when did you get back? Uh, last night, about nine o'clock last night. Yeah, thank you, man. That's it, right. um, thank you for having I'm me. Sure you've got plenty of stuff to, to be getting on with, and uh, yeah, thank <laughs> to you, be, mate. To be and, honest, it's one of those mornings where I've tried to start doing something in work about three or four yes. times and just like oh I just I just watched this one more video of Jack Grealish pissed off yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was me yesterday absolutely Jack is a superstar some of those videos are so funny um, thanks everyone for listening in um, and all the best I've got no kind of piffy outro either um, aside to say We've, we've, we've created history and uh, it's such a such an incredible feeling um, Asam to get to sign off as, as you do up the treble winning blues <laughs>